Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast, it is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and we are back for another episode. This is episode 79, and every guest is really special and makes this podcast what it is. And we've got another fantastic guest. You're going to love meeting her. Her name is Nona Jones. Now, many of you know Nona. For those that do not, you're about to, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Before I introduce you to Nona, if you are brand new to the show and so many people are listening in for the first time or maybe the first few episodes, welcome to the room. I am so glad that you are here. I know you've got a lot of choices in podcasts, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. And if you do, if I'm right, then I invite you to subscribe and follow the show so you do not miss an episode. And also follow us on Instagram, at IDareYouPod. You're going to like what you find there. I'd love to see you there. If you're not there yet, straight away, at I Dare You Pod. I'll see you there. Now, our guest, Nona Jones. She is a rare combination of business executive, best-selling author, entrepreneur. Now, she currently serves as the Chief Content and Partnerships Officer at Uversion. You've heard of this, the maker of the 500 million download Bible app. Now, her corporate leadership experience, very impressive. Serving as the head of global faith partnerships at Meta, as you know, the company formerly known as Facebook, and the Chief External Affairs Officer for a multi-state school for at-risk girls. And she's also the best-selling author of three books, including, most recently, Killing Comparison. Now, Nona's been profiled by Essence Magazine as an under-40 woman to watch, and Florida Trend Magazine is one of Florida's 30-something all-stars. And I think you'll hear in this interview why she received those awards. She and her husband, Pastor Tim, lead Open Door Church in Gainesville, Florida, and are proud parents and are doing a lot with their lives. So what can you expect to learn in this episode? Maybe the biggest thing is to develop practical ways to conquer daily comparison that we all do. You're also going to learn a different take on how to be the best leader that you can be. And finally, you're going to learn some strategies that you can take to avoid toxic comparison. Leave that behind, all the discontent, and discover a free and joyful life. So now here's one thing that this audience is doing so well. You are engaging on social media, on Instagram, and you're tagging the guest and you're tagging at I Dare You Pod. So much so that we're going to have a little fun with this on this episode. When you hear the biggest aha, and you'll have a ton of them, share that on Instagram. It could be a screenshot of the episode. It could be anything. I'm not sure what it is. I'll let you decide. But as long as you tag at I Dare You Pod and Nona Jones, and we'll talk about that in the episode, then you have a chance of winning this really cool planner. On the front is a quote I got to read to you. This will resonate. A goal is not about what you accomplish. It's about who you become. And I think that describes perfectly the I Dare You podcast and the type of listener that's here. So when you do that on Instagram, uh, I will pick one winner and I'll announce that winner next week and I'll ship you out the full focus planner. If you're into journaling, meditation, scheduling action, this is for you. So let's have some fun with this. Extra points for creativity. <laughs> and so now, I think we've waited long enough. Episode 79 is ready. I can't wait for this one. Here, everyone, is Nona Jones. Nona, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. Oh, it's such a joy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Nona, you may not know this, but uh, our podcast is now a little over one year old and one year ago, when I was inviting guests to be part of this fledgling podcast, you were one of the first five invites that I just had to make. And it's taken us this long to make it happen. 
but you and your team have been phenomenal. And so I, I'm just really thrilled to meet you and have you on the show. Oh, this is my pleasure. And, and again, I'm just, I'm honored that you even thought of me in the first five people. So thank you. <laughs> well, here's, here's part of what, what caught my attention and you're, you're just are fascinating to me as far as doing the research on your background. You are many things. I mean, if I look at your bio, you're an innovator, author, speaker, also survivor. How would you describe who you are and how did you then land in this truly this multi-purpose role and how you're using your talents? You know, the best way to describe myself is I am a statistically improbable product of God's grace. I really am. Um, I, uh, as you alluded to my survivor story, um, had a very, very dysfunctional childhood. My father passed when I was almost two. My mom um, has some some undiagnosed mental illness and raised me in a home that was defined by a lot of anger, um, abuse of all types. And, you know, I, I tried to end my life twice before the age of 12. I didn't, I didn't grow up. It's funny being a preacher now, you know, I didn't grow up in a, a Christian home, didn't go to church as a child. Um, but shortly after my second suicide attempt, I was about 11 years old, a classmate of mine in the sixth grade invited me to church. And uh, the very first sermon I ever heard, the pastor preached that God is a father to the fatherless. And I was like, well, I'm fatherless. So who is God? And it, it really kind of piqued my interest in spiritual things. And I ended up getting licensed into uh, gospel ministry at the age of 17 and started wow. preaching then. And um, went to college. I was very, very blessed. Uh, went to college with a full academic scholarship. Um, graduated and got married like a month after graduation. And I started working in corporate America. I was working for a property and casualty insurance company, um, just like a mid, mid-level manager. And then I was very blessed. I got identified for executive leadership at an early age. I think I was maybe 23 oh uh, when I got appointed to my first executive role. Um, and then from there, I was recruited to a multi-service utility company. Um, and then from there, I went to a, a statewide network of alternative schools. And then I was asked to join the leadership team at what was then Facebook, now known as Meta. Um, and now I am uh, leading content and partnerships at the YouVersion Bible app. So it's it's been, it's been quite a journey. Um, and I'm just honored to wear all of these hats wrote a few books in between there. Wow. Um, but my husband and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage uh, in a couple of months. Congratulations. Thank you. Deal. It's a really big deal. You know, thank you for sharing that. Looking back at your, your uh, background then, your journey, going through high school and uh, that into college and your first job, who are some of the people in your life that really helped you believe that you could be more and do more with your life, looking back on it? You know, when I look back on it, there are some key educators, and this is why I have so much respect for people who choose to become teachers. There were some key educators who I believe spoke to my potential. And here's the thing, because of the dysfunction in my home, I would often act out in school. You know, I was the kid who was trying to be the class clown. Uh, I was disruptive. I would get sent to the principal's office. I was oftentimes sitting in a corner by myself. But uh, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Johnson, um, she told me one day, she said, Nona, you're so smart. She was like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to make people laugh at you. Like you, you're just, you're smart. You're a leader. 
And I wanted so badly to make her proud of me that I radically changed the way that I um, conducted myself in school. Um, I turned in my work, you know, I stopped trying to make people laugh. And I got all A's in her class that, that year. And she told me, she said, Nona, you know, this is just a testament to what you're capable of. And that really changed my life. So it was her, um, my first pastor and his wife, they were so kind, just so affirming. Um, I remember my youth pastor, as a matter of fact, he was the one who told me, you know what, you you have a teaching gift. You should You should help teach. And so I would sometimes teach our Bible studies and that's that's really what I think formed me was was people who were like, you know what, I'm going to see beyond your behavior to your potential and to your purpose and to what you know God's created you to do. And I try to bring that posture to the work that I do, even in ministry now with my husband. That's great. It's a great story. It's a great reminder also how much influence that we have over others. Uh, Nona, there are so many people in the world that need to have some belief breathed into them. And and who doesn't need some of that encouragement? And but we do have that influence over others. If we just look around, I don't care who you are. Now, would you agree with that? Oh, so. I 100% agree. Like, I think we would be shocked uh, the amount of power that we have over one another. You know, mm. a kind word spoken to a stranger could literally mean the difference between life and death. I actually had a few people tell me um, that these are people who attend our church and I would maybe see them out in public and I would go give them a hug and just say something kind to them. Uh, And they would tell me later, you know, those words that you spoke actually changed the trajectory of my day. I was very depressed. I was very discouraged. I even had one young lady tell me she was contemplating ending her life. Um, I think the the ability to just choose kindness is is power. Uh, conversely, we also have the power to um, to hurt people. You know, um, I think it's Proverbs might be eighteen, but uh, that that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, when we when we speak words to other people, we can either speak life. We can speak inspiration, we can speak kindness, or we can speak death. We can speak discouragement. And I just want to be the type of person who speaks life because we all need that. You know, I just before our podcast started, actually, I received a note from a just a colleague of mine, and it was just a just a thank you note. I'm holding up right here, and there's some words in there about just it was very heartfelt words. And it means a lot to me. So this individual has just encouraged me in a way that was unexpected for the day. And it's changed the entire trajectory of, of my day, Nona. It's going to change yeah. my whole weekend and just reaffirm yeah. some different things that that I was honestly, I was really insecure about. And I, I've heard you talk about this a lot. And you actually wrote a book called Killing Comparison. But what has been your experience of suffering through or experiencing that comparison? And I know we're Mm going to get into your book called Killing Comparison in just a moment, but what have you experienced? Oh, I love this question. Um, It's funny. I, I think we often assume that success will somehow inoculate us from insecurity. Like we, we believe that if I just achieve this big thing, uh, somehow I will become immune uh, to insecurity, but that's not true. I actually think 
that uh, if we don't know how to steward success, uh, it can actually make us even more vulnerable to insecurity. And for me, the way it showed up was quite quite surprising and subtle. Uh, back in 2020, you know, I had a book releasing. I had two books actually releasing that year. I had a full calendar of speaking engagements. It was going to be an amazing year. And then the pandemic happened, and every event that I was going to speak at either got postponed or canceled. Um, and I remember one morning I was about to log on to a video conference for work and uh, I usually will check my uh, Instagram notifications before I start my work day because I like to respond to people's comments and I usually go straight to the notifications tab, but somehow I ended up catching a glimpse of my news feed before that. And at the very top of my newsfeed, there was a post from a friend of mine who was sharing how she was so excited because she was going to be speaking at this huge virtual women's conference that normally met in person, but it was going virtual because of the pandemic. And she was saying that there was going to be like tens of thousands of women and she was encouraging people to register. And I saw the, the post and I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And I scrolled down a little more and I saw another friend make the same post about how she was also speaking at the conference. And I scrolled down and there were other friends who were announcing they were speaking at the conference. And I, I began to wonder, well, gosh, like I know all the speakers, I know the host of the conference, you know, yeah. why wasn't I invited to speak at the conference? And I started to click on people's uh, Instagram profiles to see how many followers they had in comparison <laughs> to me. I clicked on their website links to see what other, you know, books they were releasing and what other things they were speaking at in comparison to me. And I was doing all of this comparison calculus to try to figure out how I measured up in comparison to them when um, I, I heard in my spirit the question, why does it matter? Why does it matter that you weren't invited to speak at this conference? Why does it matter that she was invited to speak and you weren't invited to speak? And, and that became a moment where I had to confront the fact that I was technically quite successful, um, as you said, in every imaginable human calculation, but there was a deficit on the inside of me. In a, in a very spiritual, emotional sense. And so that's really what made me realize, wait a minute, I'm insecure. <laughs> mm. I'm insecure. And that's what kind of got me on the journey to introspection, to understand why and then how to, to get, get free from it. Yeah. So what did you learn through that process? In fact, I'm going to ask you even a different question. So you wrote the book called Killing Comparison. Yeah. You have obviously authored other books and you could write about numerous things. There's no shortage of topics that you could dive into. Of all the things, though, why this book? Why this mm -hmm. specific killing comparison? Well, I, I write about and I even speak about the things that I experience. So I don't I don't ever write or speak theoretical or abstract concepts. It's always what I experience. And so essentially what happened was after the experience with, you know, the Instagram posts, um, I really went into a time of just like prayer. I went into a time of study and I ended up reading about someone in the Bible that doesn't tend to get a lot of shine. Like, uh, most people, whether you're a Christian or not, you, you've probably heard of, you know, David, you know, this, this shepherd boy who became King of Israel. And then, you know, Saul, who was the first person who was, um, appointed by God to be King of Israel. And, you know, there's the story about how, you know, there was this tremendous amount of dysfunction between them because Saul was jealous of David because the people loved and they admired David. Well, Saul had a son named Jonathan. And when this 
whole situation was happening in my life with the Instagram post. I was in the book um, of First Samuel and I was just reading about Jonathan and my eyes opened in a new way because what I realized was many times people think that, you know, David was somehow a threat to Saul. But Saul said something really interesting. It was in 1 Samuel, I think it might have been 20, 1 Samuel 20, chapter uh, verse 31, where Jonathan was protecting David. Saul wanted to kill David. Jonathan was protecting David. He was defending David. And Saul makes a statement where he said, do you not know that as long as David lives, neither you nor your kingdom will be established? And when he said that, it, it made me realize, wait a minute, David was not a threat to Saul. David was a threat to Jonathan. And yet Jonathan loved him and encouraged him and defended him. So what was it about Jonathan that essentially made him immune to mm. comparison and insecurity? So I started to research Jonathan's life and there's not a lot written about him, but what is written about him is enough to know that Jonathan secured his identity to who God said he was. He didn't look to other people for their affirmation. He didn't uh, even look to the size of the army following him to determine if he should go attack uh, a Philistine outpost. He prayed and he sought the face of God. And I realized as I was reading his story that where I got off track is I had started to derive my sense of worth and identity and value from other people's approval of me. And when that approval was withheld, when I wasn't invited to speak at the conference, um, that's what triggered the insecurity. And, and, and that realization and revelation, I think, is what fundamentally changed me. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book. And it is such a such a tendency, it's such an urge to compare. And yeah. so wh where does that urge come from for all of us? I think your angle on this is fascinating. Well, I think it first comes from our humanity. You know, um, look, we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so uh, it's 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 natural to compare. And as a matter of fact, comparison in and of itself is neutral. Um, mm. Healthy comparison leads to inspiration. And the uh -huh. way that I think about this is physiologically, when we inhale air, when we take air into our lungs, uh, that's a physiological process literally called inspiring. We inspire air. It invigorates us. It enlivens us when we inspire air. Healthy comparison inspires because it, it helps us to see what, what's possible. It activates our potential. The type of comparison that I deal with in the book is really the, the opposite of inspiration. When you exhale air out of your lungs, uh, that's a process known as expiration, which is why mm. When we take our last breath, it's called our expiration date. And so toxic comparison expires us. It makes us feel less than. It, it leads to feeling like uh, we could never be X, Y, Z in comparison to another person. Um, that's why I think comparison in and of itself is neutral. The question is, what's the state of our heart and what we do with comparison that reveals what's happening on the inside of us? Great point. Now, in, in the book, I believe uh, there's a quote, you are not a failure because of someone else's success. Yeah, That's hanging with me. I think that sums <laughs> it up really well. And that's where, I don't know about, well, for those that are listening, if you're like me, uh, easy to do when you start looking at others and you get that toxic comparison and you feel like because someone else is having success, you immediately think that you are a failure. Mm -hmm. We can't go there. 
Uh, no. We go there, even though it's, no, no. How, what are some of those ways that we can conquer the daily toxic comparison? Uh, what, what are one or two things that we might do? Yeah. So there's, I, I talk uh, in detail in the book about this, like there's a chapter dedicated to each step that I provide, but I'll give you the general framework. There's, there's three R's. The first is we have to recognize when our insecurity is triggered. There are certain thoughts that we think, uh, there's even certain emotions that we feel, right? We see the person get the award and we start to think, oh, you know, you can never do that. Or why, why are you never the one that gets to be selected? Or we start to feel emotions like sadness or maybe anger. Um, when, when, when that insecurity is triggered, we have to recognize it. We have to recognize it and we have to give it a name. And in the book, I help people with the nomenclature for insecurity so that you can start to name it. Oh, I'm feeling bitter because she got proposed to and I didn't. So now I've named what's happening within me. Once you recognize it, the next opportunity is to reframe what triggers your insecurity. A reframe is basically changing the way that you look at something. And so um, I go into detail about what this means from a marketing standpoint, because it happens a lot in marketing and politics. But in the example of your friend getting proposed to instead of you, instead of seeing it as somehow a failure on your part to be chosen, you can see it as an opportunity to support your friend in making her day amazing. Now what you've done is you've stripped that comparison of its toxicity and it's become healthy because now I can activate my potential to be a great friend. And the third piece is just to release it. Uh, you, you make the conscious decision that I am not better or worse based on someone else's circumstance. So I'm going to release this trigger um, so that I can live in the truth of who God created me to be. Yeah, there's so much here. And uh, I was looking at some of the reviews of your book, Killing Comparison. Dr. Daniels, who's lead pastor of Change Church. Nona Jones exposes and dresses one of the major contributors to people failing, failing to experience their best life and become their best self. Comparison. I think that's really profound. I mean, he's saying that is a really a limiting factor for so many of us who are finding that best life. Why do you think that's the case? You know, I think it's the case because, frankly, as someone who, you know, I've worked in social media, even before social media, I worked in broadcast journalism. Um, we live in a society that is obsessed with being the first and the best and the prettiest and the youngest. Um, and so we tend to lift up those things as this is the pinnacle of achievement. Uh, and when we fall beneath that, we automatically feel like a failure. We feel like we haven't arrived. And I, I, I share very vulnerably in the book, there's many stories I share about things that I even did to try to live up to the fabricated ideal. Um, and I say fabricated because it's not real. Um, I've noticed a tendency for people to compare their reality to another person's fiction that's posted on social media, right? The idea, I, I, I know of couples that have a beautifully curated Instagram feed. Like they're doing the date nights and the exotic trips. Um, and behind the scenes, they're not even speaking. You know, they're on the verge of divorce. And so oh, what happens sorry. is, you know, we're looking at that and we're like, why can't my marriage be like that? And it's like, you actually don't want your marriage to be like that if you only knew the truth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and so now this leads into this next uh, topic I've got for you, Nona, that you uh, you serve as a chief content and partnership officer at Uversion. 
Mm-hmm. And you also, is this, you were the head of global faith partnerships at Meta? Is, was that yeah. past tense or present yeah. tense? No, past tense. So I, uh, mid-January, I, I left there and now I'm with version. Okay. The, I was reading an, an interview that you did in a Vail journal, winter 2023, fantastic interview about the insecurity dynamic, how to escape the trap of approval. And there was a question there from the interviewer about social media. And I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be perfect. I know exactly what Nona is going to say to this mm-hmm. because I, I will tell you, Nona, my, my own belief is that my goodness, social media, it's causing so much, um, mm-hmm. so many issues with, with mm-hmm. young people and ad- adults. Yeah especially in the area of insecurity and your take on it was very, very different than I, than I had expected. So now let me ask Natha as a setup, let me ask you the, the question. So Nona, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. is that what's causing so much insecurity and social comparison? So it's, it's all Facebook's fault. It's all Instagram's fault. You would say what to that? Well, here's the thing. Um, before 2000 and Six, 2007, um, when you know Facebook showed up on the scene, many of us were still battling with the same emotions uh, in different ways because you know we saw a certain person on our job. They're always getting the recognition, right? And so um, now we feel like we're less than because they're always succeeding. Um, maybe there was a certain someone in our our class at school, and they're always seeming to get the gold star, and we never are. Um, and I mentioned these examples because the, 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 the viewpoint that I have on this is that social media absolutely exposes our insecurity, uh, but it's not the source of our insecurity. Because if it was the source, then why can two people see the exact same post? One person can walk away from it inspired and the other person can walk away from it expired. Um, it really is a question of our heart and and the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see each other. Um, and so I definitely feel that uh, social media gives us exposure to so many people's lives um, that if we don't have a posture of healthy comparison, we can absolutely walk away feeling less than. But but yeah, it's not the source of our insecurity. Um, it is simply uh, exposing the insecurity that's already there. Yeah, that's a fresh take. The follow-up on that, I think the interviewer asked you a question, how do you then, you know, what 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 social media tips and hints would you have? And one of the things that you mentioned was to unfollow, if I, if I have this right, unfollow someone who triggers your insecurity. Mm-hmm. And that caused me to reflect a bit on when I'm on Instagram or Facebook, who is the it? Who are the people? What are the posts that trigger my insecurity? I've got them. I'm human. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really an interesting point. If you don't mind, tell me more about that advice. Oh, yeah. Well, the beauty of social media is it, it's what you make it, right? You know, we, we choose to follow people. We choose to follow topics and accounts. Um, and we can similarly choose not to. Um, I am incredibly intentional about making sure that the content that I share through my social media is the type of content that either inspires people or challenges them. Um, You will pretty much never see me post about, you know, a new car or a new purse or um, an exotic vacation. Uh, You just, you won't see that because I view my social media as a channel through which I can help other people 
achieve their dreams and activate their potential. And so that's what I use my uh, social media for, but not everyone's that way. There are some people that use it as an occasion to brag and as an occasion to, you know, try to show that their life is so much better than everyone else's. You know, you don't have to follow those people unless they inspire you. There there are some people that you may follow who share uh, about their wealth and it's like, wow, that's so inspiring and I want to learn more about it. But if them sharing about their wealth makes you feel like you're impoverished, you probably don't want to follow them, right? So yeah, I call it, uh, you have to weed your feed. So when, when you start to feel triggered, just unfollow or mute, uh, unfriend, whatever you got to do to protect your peace. You know, you're a great follow on Instagram. I agree with you, by the way. <laughs> there was a time when, you this will be a few months ago, maybe a year ago, Nona, but you came on, it was either a story or your post, but you, it, was, it was basically you said this, hey, everybody, I just, I posted last night about this, mm-hmm. this thing. And yeah. I woke up this morning and I, I pulled it down because yeah. um, when you had reflected on it and you had prayed on it, that you realized that the intent was not for God. And yeah. I, I am paraphrasing this. I think yeah. you know where I'm going. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. My, my publisher had reached out to me and uh, told me that my book was going to be placed in Target and that, you know, for, for a Christian author, um, that kind of never happened. And so it was a really big deal. And um, when they mentioned it to me, I was so excited about it uh, that I immediately, you know, I went on Instagram and I was like, guys, this thing happened. And um, what I realized is as I, I prayed about it after the fact, because I felt immediately, the moment I posted it, like I just immediately felt this strange conviction. And I was like, in the post, like, I was like, I gave God glory. I said all the things I was like, you know, God did this thing. Right. (laughs) But after I prayed about it and I thought about it, uh, I realized that my true intent, what was really in my heart was look at me, like, look at me, look at what has happened to me. Um, and I took it down because I don't want to ever feed my insecurity and insecurity shows up in the need to share the good things that happen to you because you want people to feed that. And I was like, no, I don't want to be fed by people's applause. I want to be fed by the fact that I'm simply a child of God. And so I took it down and I I shared that. I shared my experience because I I try to be as transparent as possible so people know, look, here's what I'm processing, here's what I'm dealing with. So that's what happened. I also gain a lot of leadership tips and hints from you on your Instagram. And you've got, as we've talked about it, uh, you've got a lot of great background. And there was an interview that you did, or maybe it was a podcast, but the question was about, as you look at other leaders, who are the other leaders that inspire you? And your answer had something to do with this, that you're a student of leadership and you are, you are a student of Jesus Christ and watching his, watching him and learning about his life as a leader. The answer took me back because once again, Nona, I expected the answer to be the top 10 leaders you might expect, whether that be Martin Luther King or, um, you know, uh, Winston Churchill or, Mm -hmm. you know, all the leaders. What makes Jesus such a great leadership model to follow for you? Oh man, I'm going to make this as succinct as possible because I could talk about this all day, but the thing I, I just, I, I love so much about Jesus is his example um, is the ultimate sacrificial leader, the ultimate servant leader to the point of uh, giving his life for, for the, for his friends and for the, for those who he came to, to serve. And so for me, 
I don't necessarily evaluate a person's leadership success by, you know, the amount of money that they make or how they grow their business. I evaluate effective leadership by what happens when they're gone. Like what happens after your leadership run is over? And if the team crumbles, if the business fails, um, if you essentially were the linchpin of it all, what that means is you built everything around you. The reason why I love Jesus' example is when he, he left, everything grew, like it accelerated, right? Like, yeah. like exponentially because he, he imparted wisdom into the people who would be able to carry the legacy forward. And that's, that's the type of leader I want to be. I don't want to be the type of leader where once I'm gone, everything falls apart. I want to be the type of leader that, man, I only was a small part in the incredible success that happened after I left. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I'd like to have a whole nother podcast with you just on that leadership topic <laughs> alone. That is rich. That is rich. Uh, Nona, what is the best way to follow you and keep in touch with you and the great work and the projects you're up to? Uh, so my website's great, nonajones.com. Um, I have the same handle across all social platforms that I'm on. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, my handle is at Nona, not Nora. <laughs> you can find me <laughs> on all those places. Um, and I have an e-newsletter you can sign up for too. Just text the word Nona to 33377. The, the number is 33377. And that's how you can connect with me. What, what are some of the, the projects you're working on right now or maybe coming up that's giving you um, a lot of joy and purpose? What are you up to? Well, right now I'm still ramping up uh, to my my new role with uh, with version, and that has given me such life, such energy um, to be able to work on something that is giving people hope all over the world every day. Um, so that's been great. And I'm also thinking now about uh, my next book and uh, talking with my publisher about that. So that's exciting too. That's that's kind of under wraps until everything is uh, nailed down. But yeah, those are a couple of things I'm working on. Uh, over your right shoulder, I believe we should talk about you have a golden doodle. Is that Shiloh? That's Shiloh. Yeah. I'm a fan. As you can see, she's, yeah, she's curled up finally. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nona, at, at the end of each podcast, I ask my guest, uh, what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? And so mm -hmm. to you, what challenge do you have for us? What do you got? I dare you to return hurt with healing. I dare you to return resentment with resilience. Um, and I dare you to return anger with kindness. So be the change that you want to see. Great challenge. And thank you for that, Nona. Uh, this, that, this conversation has been fascinating and I'm appreciative you and the team helped make this work for all of us. It's been an honor to meet you, and I can't wait to see where you take things. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a joy. That was Nona Jones. What did you think? Uh, I have so many takeaways from this. I'll bet you do as well. What's the one thing you're going to implement in your life starting today? And for me, I'm leaving with a couple of things. Uh, the first one I'll, I'll point to is, I think it can't be said uh, often enough, someone else's success doesn't mean that you're a failure. We have to keep reminding ourselves of, of that. And when you're comparing your reality to someone else's fiction, <laughs> it's just never good. And so how often are you doing that? That may require you or prompt you to unfollow some people. 
where do you start feeling that insecurity? And you may want to start unfollowing people straight away. Unfollow people and take control of what you are putting into your mind, especially if it's triggering some type of insecurity in you. I thought her point on also the uh, leadership lessons of what happens when you're gone. Does your team crumble or does your message in your team grow? You know, one thing I've noticed in my career, and I've over 30 years in corporate America, I have led high-performing teams, I have built high-performing teams, and one thing that I've learned over the years is that anytime I start feeling a little bit insecure about my role as a leader, it's because I'm focusing too much on myself and I've lost focus on others. So that, if that describes you, if you're in that season right now in your leadership or if you've, if you've ever been there, here's, the, here's what you do. Shift the focus off yourself and start thinking of others. Putting your energy into helping others develop into becoming great leaders, that is the remedy every single time. That's the antidote to allow your mindset to shift. So today I challenge you as you're go- driving into work or as you are just thinking about your team, how can you become more of a servant leader and put more of a focus on them as opposed to yourself? Watch what happens to your mindset and watch how you become then a better leader. After all, leadership is about helping others essentially replace you. <laughs> helping others then step into your role when you're gone and they're going to take things to a much higher level and all because of you. The ultimate role of us as leaders is to help others become better than ourselves. So embrace that today. Don't be afraid of it. Help others become better than you. Now remember when you tag at Nona, not Nora, and at I Dare You Pod with your biggest takeaway from this episode, screenshot of the episode or whatever you want to do, um, you have a chance uh, then of earning the full focus planner. This is killer. So, uh, and something you'll definitely be able to put into use. So ready, set, go. Have fun with this. Also follow us on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. So now that you listen to the episode, and if you liked it, I invite you to share with others. You're thinking of someone or maybe a few people And don't wait until tomorrow or next week because you will forget. Uh, Right now, forward it to someone that's important in your life, family, friends, colleagues. Take that step. And so many of you are, and I appreciate it. That's what's happening. That's why the growth is happening with the podcast. You know, last week I was on vacation. I ran into an I Dare You podcast listener. It was so good to talk to him. And I asked him, how many episodes you listen to? And he said, every single one. I said, every single one? I said, okay. So this is like a focus group of one. I, I asked him, what do you expect from the podcast? And he gave me some really good feedback that I'm going to incorporate in future episodes. Uh, but I love hearing from all of you and getting that feedback. And so feel free, at I Dare You Pod. That's the best way to communicate with me. Or you can find me when I'm on vacation at some random Minnesota lake. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. At no point in human history have you had more choices in what to listen to and watch and information to consume. The fact that you're here means a lot. And thank you very much for being here. So now get ready for episode 80 next week. I can't believe it. We're 80 episodes in, and we're just going to keep this thing going. I appreciate being part of this community. We're going to do it again next week. We'll see you here on the I Dare You podcast.